The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. Have you ever suffered from health problems because of family drama? Have you ever had that thyroid or weight problem because you were the scapegoat in your extended family with your in-laws? If you've ever had depression, frustration, aggravation because your extended family, either your family or your spouses, drives you crazy, today's your day because we're going to discuss intuitive problems with in-laws and other family drama. In today's world, it's very common to watch on TV and the Internet family drama, whether it's Teen Mom 2, the Kardashians, arguments ensuing on Ayana Venzant, and so on and so on. Today's show is going to change your life because it's going to teach you how to use mind, body, and medical intuition to stay healthy in the midst of the fracas. We're taking your calls, 816-251-3555 from within the USA and Canada. And remember, unityonlineradio.org is live, live every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can get this show on your favorite podcast provider, as well as join the live show with a question every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern. You know, it's always something. Trying to get online here. The poor guy who helps, he's trying to hear me, and he's hearing La Boheme at the same time, music playing. And that's what it's like in your life. You're trying to have a healthy relationship with your partner, your children, and you're hearing all this fracas in your ears like La Boheme. It's like this dramatic opera in a language that you don't understand. Because frequently, the people we marry, we partnership with, or we're friends that move in an extended household, they come from a background that speak a whole other language. If you've ever listened to opera, it's usually in a language that you don't understand what's going on. La Boheme is a perfect example, but it doesn't matter. Because you can hear the emotionality and the drama and the, sc- the screaming and the crying and the rendering of garments it just has a universal understanding my god they're upset for god's sakes and you get drawn into the drama you're crying and you don't know what the hell is going on with these people and next thing you know you're drawn into this stuff that's what happens if you have a background in your family and you love someone and you have a a beating heart, and you have an intact neurological system, you can't help but getting affected. We tend to marry or partner with people who are different from us. Often enough, reproduction or health involves getting involved with people who are different In fact, to fertilize an egg, 
you're more likely to have conception if there's variability. You're different from the person you're conceiving with. That's why first cousins, it's probably not the best to inbred. You know what we're talking about here. Suffice it to say, there have been so many shows about in-laws and drama. A perfect example is one is Bewitched. The difference between an in-laws is Darren, Darren is the husband and he's a mortal. He's considered the norm. And his wife, Bewitched, Samantha, and her mother, the mother-in-law, and Dora are witches. And thus the drama ensues because there's a division right there. And the mother-in-law and Dora is always popping in, just like in-laws tend to do, but she really does pop in. And her contempt of her son-in-law is exaggerated in the show because she will demonstrate it by continuing to forget his name. Instead of saying Darren, she will call him Derwood Dustbin. It continues. It's hilarious. She thinks he's inept and inadequate in a way that frequently happens with in-laws. But she thinks it's because he can't do magic. We all have differing abilities and skills. And frequently in-laws look at the other family and think, geez, they don't, you know, do X, Y, and Z. They don't sing an Italian like an aria and so on and so on. And that creates polarity. In Judaism, when a person gets married, they function to create, to create in the world. And you are supposed to help the other person create and they're supposed to help you so that both of you become whole. Shalom, peace. But if you work and cross purposes to the other people and their family, if there's constantly fighting, it's the opposite of peace. It's explosion. And so how do we create peace in a family? Well, one of the ways in which we know there isn't is our bodies will let us know medically intuitively through symptoms in our body. It doesn't mean the other family isn't making you sick. It simply means that your body is picking up that you don't feel safe and secure. And medical intuition, family is first center. Bones, joints, blood, the immune system. It lets us know that we don't feel safe and secure. And so, and then fifth center has to do with having a voice and having a say and feeling like what you say matters. If you were abused in a family or you were the sensitive one, you might feel in your new family scapegoated. Scapegoats are people who are, who hold the repository, hold the negative feelings in the family, are, quote, the problem. The person who, you know, if it weren't for them, then we'd have no problems here. And in every culture, even in animal groups, there is somebody, if they're very different, if they don't know how to blend, if they don't know how to maneuver around, then they can become, quote, the scapegoat. You have to find out how to blend in a group. It doesn't mean that it makes their behavior okay if they act poorly. It means that you can have your family, your partner can have their family, but you have to find out your place. Second center. There's a good part 
and there's a bad part of in-laws. One is they can be source of money, good. Two, they can be a source of control about money, golden handcuffs. They'll give you money and they'll, they'll say, well, you know, if you don't do what we want, we'll take the money away. This is not good. So you have to judiciously understand the price and the interest you pay from allowing financial support. Third center, if they help you find a job, like a family business, then there are no boundaries. You want to have boundaries around your relationship and your in-laws. And if they give you money, there's no boundaries between your family, first center, and married, married uh, money, second center. And if you take a job from them, third center, there's no three centers. There's no boundary between your family, first, money, second, and work third. So that's three out of your seven centers. Almost half of your life, there's no boundaries between you and your in-laws. And that's your basic nightmare right there. And that creates all kinds of problems with bones, joints, blood, the immune system. So what I do is I have people who have family problems and health problems, immune, autoimmune. I have them count how many overlapped areas in their life they have with their families. And the more they have, the less boundaries they have. Because a lot of people say, I have no boundaries. You have to be able to measure them and count them. Fourth center, another overlap area and a boundary area. They may help you raise your children. They may help you babysit your children. On the other hand, they may move into your house and raise your children and babysit your children. Once again, the door has to be able to close. If they move in, you and your partner have no privacy. Sixth center, they can help you make sense of your life by a series of wisdom. The great Marcel Mezulin, who's a behavioral neurologist, says that as we get older, we repeat stories. We repeat stories over and over again. That doesn't mean you're losing your mind. It doesn't mean you're losing your memory and you're getting senile, as they say. It means that part of repeating old stories is a way of imparting wisdom to other people. On the other hand, in addition to receiving wisdom from your in-laws, they may unfortunately butt in to your life and give unsolicited advice. And then seventh center, purpose in life and death. You may find yourself having golden handcuffs, allowing yourself to take care of someone for years and years, move into someone's house for years and years in anticipation of receiving a house, receiving some inheritance, receiving something like that. The point of the matter is that's something that you really, really, really want to do. The idea is, is that you have to have families in a variety of areas in your life, families of origin, families at work, the family of your spouse, the family of your children, and so on and so on. You don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket. Isolate yourself waiting for an inheritance that may or may not come. We're going to, if you want to know more about the solutions to today's show, you want to go to my Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa, Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa 1, and Twitter, Dr. Mona Lisa 2. We will go to Jill. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. How can I be a part? Hi. Well, you know, I, because it's a show about in-laws, I thought I would call in. <laughs> um, I have none of the above that you just mentioned as far as my in-laws. In fact, I have no uh, relationship with them whatsoever. Okay, wait a minute. Be- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I, I have none of the troubles that I have with in-laws, but I have none of the, re- I have no relationship with them any, at all. So right. So, well, I mean, if you have a very quick heart rate, too fast heart rate, 
that's bad. But if you have too slow or no heart rate at all, that's bad too. <laughs> so okay. either extreme is not good. And many of okay. the, I, that actually, you make an, an excellent point, which is one of the reasons why you want feedback from people. I talked about examples of people who were overly enmeshed. I also talked about how people can give you support when they engage. But I didn't right. talk about what happens if you have no engagement and you're cut right. off. But there's a story there now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Right. So therefore, you have an in-law problem because you don't have contact with them. Right. And it was look, all... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The, wait a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. Don't apologize. It has to do... It, there's two readings here. And it's an example of... You bring to your in-law relationship a relationship that you had with your family. Does that mean you're the cause? No. It just means you bring the brain and body that you have and you bring that experience to your marriage and you bring it to your in-laws. And with that, you bring a series of skills. I see a relationship in your life, someone who's wonderful. I see that person sees the dog agrees. See that? The dog agrees. <laughs> I see that person is wonderful. They see the problems and they understand. I see, however, that you've had a problem in the past in the family. Families are supposed to make us feel safe, secure, and give us a sense that we belong, are supported, and have a say. And Jill, you're 59. We call this, this is not your first rodeo. You've had other experiences with family members in partnerships that have not been that good. And then there was a problem in the family growing up. You may have felt injured, hurt. You may have felt that what you had to say didn't matter. And then you would say it again, and you'd say it again, and then it would feel like you were banging your head against a brick wall. I see... As a result, you walk into a situation with a kind of tentativeness versus somebody who tends to walk into a room like they're walking into a yacht. They look with a kind of comfort and security that no one ever thinks that they're going to ever have a problem. You will look with nervousness and trepidation. If, any, if there's any problem or something breaks, you look so nervous and so anxious that in studies, you're more likely to get picked on. What happened in your family growing up? Were you oh, it was, it was chaotic. Um, How was, so? Um, both parents drank alcohol and there would be physical fights as well as screaming matches. Um, so yes, as a child, I endured quite a bit. And were you injured? I was not injured, no, but just, you know, it, I don't you think were that I injured. Well, yes, emotionally because injured studies, for sure. No, no, you were physically injured. Studies okay. show that if you witness somebody else getting injured, the area in your brain, the amygdala, gets overdeveloped more than the hippocampus, and that increases your brain and your body's reaction, that you're more okay. likely to get irritable and anxious to environments, and you're more likely to attend to or, re or perceive Um, pain, suffering, you're more likely to recognize or see that which you grew up with. Okay. Do you understand? Naturally, yeah. how would you not? Because you're going to be able to more likely see 
that which and recognize what you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're less likely to be able to recognize and see Shangri-La, peace, contentment. In fact, it's more likely to make you anxious. Yeah. Do you understand? Oh, yeah. If things are too calm, I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. Right. So you'll get agitated and people (laughs) will get nervous around you. For example, my friend Lumi, who's my freshman year roommate, she's Japanese. I went to her house on spring break. They just ate in silence. There was nothing going on. My family's Latina. By the end of a meal, I was almost suicidal. (laughs) It was so anxiety-provoking. I'm not kidding you. I thought no one was speaking, so I thought they were mad at me. See how the cues are? Right. You're looking around going, who's going to throw a plate? Who's mad? Right. (laughs) Do you understand? (laughs) You know exactly what I'm talking about. Because if there's silence, you get hypervigilant and you're waiting for something to get flung. Right. Do you get it now? Yes. And so, therefore, if you're sitting there cowering, then when you go on to the next family, if someone is a bully, they look for the person who's most vulnerable. That's the person who's cowering in the corner there. That be you. Yep. Do you get it now? Yes, I do. It's basically body language. So the person you're with now is not the first serious relationship. There was somebody before this, right? No, I mean, not really. He He's the first serious relationship I've ever had. We're going to hold that in abeyance for a second. Okay. After you left your family's home, was there an abusive relationship? No. Um, I I mean, strangely enough, the only abusive relationship that I had at that age was between me and my sister. She's quite a bully and abusive, but not as far as... uh, You'll remember it. You'll remember it. It doesn't matter. So how long have you been married? Let's see, 39 years. Okay. We're going to go to break in a few minutes, and then we're going to come back to your reading. um, 39 years. Yes. And I look at your head. I see a change in range of motion in your neck area. This is a wait. This is a long time coming. First, it was an injury, and then it repaired, and then it recurred, it recurred, and it recurred. Then no one believes you or listens to you on how bad it feels. And that that is a replay of what was going on when you were a child. I look at your heart. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast. I wonder if you have body image issues. I see increased susceptibility of insulin, blood sugar issues. I wonder if your skin is sensitive to estrogen, androgen problems. I look at your left kidney, right kidney, bladder. I see a capacity for cysts in your pelvis, either in the past ovarian, uterine lining, or both. I see increased susceptibility. Watch the the order. I see increased susceptibility of having problems with stable thyroid functions, partly due to excess estrogen stored in your body tissue. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I see achiness in both hips, your lower back, between your up. We'll come back, okay? That's my music. You know what that means. When we come back, we're going to learn the mind, body, and medical intuitive solutions to handling in-law problems. You're listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa.
All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. We're back with Jill. Welcome back to Healthy Living. Today's show has been dedicated to dealing with in-laws and family members. We've learned that frequently we can have health problems, weight problems, thyroid problems, all kinds of depression, insomnia, headaches due to having issues with a family. And many of the same family problems we had growing up will replay with a family we married into. I use there, Jill. I'm here. Perfect. So Jill is on the line, and Jill had a very difficult family growing up where both of her parents had alcohol issues, and it was quite violent. And Jill initially said she didn't have problems with the in-laws because she didn't see her in-laws, which, of course, is a problem. It's like saying, I don't have a problem with my husband because I don't ever see him. (laughs) (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) <laughs> or I don't have problems with my feet because I, I can't feel them. Do <laughs> you get it? Yeah. So um, I was going through your body. I look at your left lung, right lung, left breast, right breast, esophagus, stomach, liver, gallbladder, colon, and rectal areas. I see in the past problems with a spasmy lower bowel. I look at the joints in your hands, wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles. I look at your neck, upper back, lower back, and sacral areas. I see problems with both knees and your right ankle, as well as your lower back. I see melancholy, sadness, nervousness, and jitteriness, problems falling asleep and staying asleep. Can you please tell me your health concerns? Well, mainly uh, my biggest issues are my neck. Um, I have four herniated discs in my neck, and also I have um, burning in my mouth. Those are my main uh, health issues, as okay, well as indigestion. Okay. Hold on one second. Okay. So you're a fifth center poster child. This has to do with the burning mouth and the neck. I talked about how when I went to your neck, I wondered if you'd injured your neck, it got better, and then it was one thing after another, and it was hard, oh, I see now, the burning mouth, that you would go into a lot of different doctors, and they couldn't see what was wrong, and that's the burning Mm -hmm. mouth. Okay. So suffice it to say, how did you first injure your neck? Well, we did have a minor car accident that I thought it was minor until a few weeks later when my neck started hurting pretty bad. Okay. And, and go ahead. Well, at the time they tried to say it was occipital neuralgia, but I've just recently found out that it's actually disc issues in my neck. At what level? Oh gosh. Um you know, I, I don't recall what the printout said. I, I believe two, three, four, is that? I'd have to get the printout. Don't get the printout. Um, okay. What were your symptoms? Um, I have pain in the back right side of my head, and it goes down into my shoulder at times. You're right. It is C2, C3. And C4, because that is the back of your neck, and it's the line of where your hair is, your occipital Mm -hmm. area. How did you injure that? You know, as far as I know, it could have only been the accident. I had a minor car accident where I was hit from behind, but other than that, I cannot think of any any other issue that, you know, anything that could have led to this. 
And this was almost 11 years ago. I know it ago. I know it was remote. I understand that. Mm-hmm. What other health problems do you have? Well, I have um, a lot of burning in my stomach and, of course, the burning mouth. And how long have you had the burning mouth? It's uh, five years. I've had that five years as of this past April. Okay. Where were you going when you got in a car accident with your husband? Um, to a country club to eat. With who? <laughs> well, with my, uh, at that time she wasn't my daughter-in-law, but with my daughter-in-law and her family, we were meeting them. Daughter-in-law meaning your son's? Yes, my son's wife. Is he still married to her? Yes. <laughs> okay, so now that doesn't sound real good. She's a wonderful girl. She just is all about her family and tends to forget that he has a family. And for whatever reason, he's followed her lead. Okay. So neck is about having having to say something at the right time with the right amount of intensity. Okay? Okay. And anger, every emotion... We have five of them. Fear, anger, sadness, love, and joy. Sadness makes muscles droop. Fear makes them shake. This isn't me. This is not out of the Kajic records. This is out of a book by Antonio Damasio, The Fear of What Happens. It's the neurotransmitters and what they do to muscles in our body. So fear makes things shake. Um, Depression makes them droop. Anger is dopamine, norepinephrine, makes muscle spasm. Okay. And it's like adding insult to injury. Mm-hmm. So you could have an injury somewhere, but then if the muscle is spasming on top of it, it hurts like a son of a bee. Yeah. Yep. Do you want, to, you want to know how I know that? How? Because I have discs out at C2, C3, and C4. I was telling the guy during the break. That took the wind out of your sails. Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. Yes. Yes. No, it really does. But I have a really good reason for it. It's not, it didn't happen like yours did. Needless to say, when I get really upset and I get worked up, Mm -hmm. it really is a mess. And so because epinephrine, when I get angry or I get anxious, it goes from my right brain to my adrenal gland. My adrenal gland releases epinephrine, which makes the muscles tighten. Are you following me? Yes. The first time I blew discs where I was in my resident, and I was in my resident, I was doing my PhD. I was defending it. It was awful. I was being treated awful. I wasn't being supported, actually. And I had to take out all this money. Suffice it to say, I finally kind of passed, but not really, but I did. I went Mm -hmm. and did three months of medicine, three months of surgery, and then I woke up and I couldn't feel my hands. C6, C7, C7, C1. And on an MRI, they showed two discs out on the cord, of which I ignored and walked around with a brace. I didn't pick anything up new. I didn't do anything, didn't get hit by anything. I simply woke up and I couldn't feel them. I uh, quickly learned that when I got angry, when I got really upset, my hand shook and I had to be very careful because I didn't want to have surgery because I already had a rod in my spine when I was 12 with scoliosis. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to manage them by fifth center learning how to say the right thing to the right person at the right time with the right amount of intensity. This is an example of in-laws. Now, why the hell would they call them an in-law? I don't know. The point of the matter is they're in your family, and you have to figure out the laws of dealing with them. 
the laws of negotiation, right? Because yeah. he is your son, right? And right. you are angry that she is oh, being yeah. a gatekeeper. Yeah. And you don't Absolutely. like that. But that's too bad. No. Do you want to know why? Why? You already know why. Are they going to have kids or did they already have kids? They have three. Do you see them? No. I've seen the oldest at her first birthday. So but now I'm you're going much. from anger to sadness and grief. Right. I don't want to be snide go, I thought you didn't have in-law problems. Yeah, you have in-law problems. And that's sadness. Do you understand is I have this Lego thing on my desk and I have to start picking at it because it's so anxiety provoking? Yeah. So I left my PhD. I left it, went back to medical school, and I thought, I'm done with them. That's when the spine fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand? Well, so to get rid of the pain, are you saying that I need to? No, I didn't say that. Okay. I say that you have to. Number one, learn how to negotiate the whole issue of family because you were born with something that wasn't even a reasonable facsimile of it. Yeah. They show that people who have family problems, especially in childhood, are more likely to have accidents and all kinds of immune, autoimmune, spinal problems. Okay. And people are going to say, wow, what happened to you, Mona Lisa? We're not going to talk about that. I don't believe about talking about things, airing dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. There would be enough for a whole laundromat. However, suffice, <laughs> it to say, suffice it to say, it makes me a good medical intuitive. I can teach you. Suffice it to say, you have to learn how to be in a group of people and watch people spinning up, observe, describe, allow, and not react. Okay. Do you understand? And that's really I hard do. because you have the brain apparatus of being of reacting. Yeah. Really. Well, and, and I feel and like I, if I don't want. I, I understand. I I understand that, but then other people react to you reacting. So, in other words, because mm -hmm. the amygdala is about seeing things and hearing things. So if I see something going on, I'm like, oh, my God, look at that over there. That doesn't help. <laughs> right, right. You have to lower it down and go, you know, we seem to be having a problem over here. Okay, kids, let's go over here. That's how people do things in families. Okay. They lower it. They lower, they lower the key. But you didn't learn that. No. And... Around someone like your, Maya, Maya and Evie had a sixth grade education from Portugal. She kind of learned how to do that, although she swore like a sailor in Portuguese. <laughs> she used to say there were two types of people in a family. And it's kind of like in psychiatry, axis one and axis two. Axis one is major psychiatric illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar. She would go, that one, they're not right. Oh. <laughs> and people who, like your daughter-in-law or something, she go, that one, it's got a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the thing is, is once you identify someone's got a problem, it's like driving and noticing there's a traffic jam on that highway. Do you keep barreling down the same speed? No. You've got to figure out how to negotiate accordingly, right? Okay. I remember I was on Route 128, and I was in a hurry. Two lanes. I can't stand that stupid road, okay? And we were all in a hurry. And it's like we're all going 50, and there's like a dime space between all of us. But then this idiot, which you're not supposed to do. DBT teachers, you're not to do this. This idiot, I've never seen anybody do this since, went between two lanes of cars. Have you ever seen anybody do that? Yes, on a motorcycle, I did. I know, a motorcycle, yes, but a car. Yes, yeah. no, dance. not a car. <laughs> you want to know what you do when you see someone like that? Hmm. You give them wide berth. And you let them think they have control. 
Right. And okay. then they act like peaches with you. Right. You don't play tug of war with them. They'll dig their feet in. But, you know, you act like your son is your real estate. And she says, you know what? I own them now. Mm-hmm. She's got the grandchildren and I own them. And you know what? Nice. Real nice. The kids lose. Your husband lose. And she wins the battle but loses the war. Yeah. So I want you to do something, a class that I've taken and I've taught that can help us learn emotional literacy. It teaches us how to, when we're in groups of people, especially when there's in conflicts, especially when there's in-laws, observe, describe, allow, and name the emotion that people are experiencing, especially you. What's going on over here? Especially when you walk into a room during like Thanksgiving and all of a sudden people stop talking. <laughs> you yeah, right. And then you're like, what just happened there? And you know something happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were talking about you. Right. So what do you do? Maybe you don't say, what were you going, what were people saying? What were you talking about? Because chances are, if they wanted you to know what they were talking about, they wouldn't have stopped talking. Right. If you understand what I'm saying now? Yes, yes, yes. Would you have said, what were you people talking about? No. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. And I would just then assume the worst and have my feelings hurt. And Okay, well, then you would have done it a passive way. That The thing is, is I would have actually go, no, serious. And I would have like, that's the center, that's neck and thyroid and mouth. Um, <laughs> they teach you how to say the right thing to the right person. Or you might have sat in the corner and acted hurt or done something passively angry, passively mm-hmm. aggressive. Do you get it? Yes, yes. And then and, you would have been giving her the signal that you were pissed. Mm-hmm. And then you're, she would have told your son, come on, let's go home. And right. they would have left early. That's right. called in-law combat maneuvers, as they say in the Army. Do you get it? So- Yes, and as soon as you were able to release any emotions that were attached to your neck pain, your neck pain did go away. It's called, like, when you play, play in the pool, Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. I do remember that I went to take care of a friend. It's just, I'm a neck, I speak fluent neck intuition. I went to visit a friend. So this is like when you're in other families that are dysfunctional. I went to visit a friend whose mother was dying. And I sat in the room with her. And she was fine. It was when the father came in. And he was awful. He kept trying to overdrug her and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I lost it with him. <laughs> I said to my oh. mother, excuse me, I'll be right back. I close the door and I go, what seems to be the problem out here? I mean, really, <laughs> it was awful. He'd wow. come in with the morphine and stuff. The thing is, is that I got really angry. Then I got mm-hmm. in the plane and my wrist blew up. And by the time I came home, that was it. You understand? Because yeah. I absorbed their family crisis. Right, right. Now do you get it? I when get I it. I should have pulled myself out of there and gone, what's going on? It feels very familiar to 44 Mad Terrace, Portsmouth, Rhode Island. But it didn't. Do you get that? Yes. I got angry. Anger is an important yes. emotion. It lets us know. It's, you can't prevent things from making you angry. But you can prevent the thought pattern. I'm right. They're wrong. Things should be different. Do you get it? Mm-hmm. I do. And the thing and is, I'm you can't that... make her different. That's burning right. mouth, too. It has to do okay. with you want to say something. You want them to know your mind. And the thing is, you can't. Well, how would that change it? It won't. No, it would probably make it worse. Of course it would. 
So you have to you have to understand I'm right, they're wrong, things should be different. So then you learn another skill, radical acceptance. The only way out of your suffering is to accept what is. Okay. And right now, it may be that she's the kind of person, the only way she feels secure is if she has him all to herself. So you're not going to be the only person that he's sequestered. Right. He will probably can't see his friends. He can't see a lot of people because she's that insecure. Yeah. Poor kids. Yeah. So that means you're going to know that those kids and your husband has a higher power and it ain't you. Okay. And you have to allow that eventually those kids will find you. I hope so. No, that's not. That was now a third, a tertiary emotion called despondency and depression. I get that. I am so sorry. This is the part where a mother, when they lose a child, or an, it's like somebody ripped out a rib or a lung. It's like you can't replace it. Right. And just saying to someone, you know, you have to trust. You want to knock their teeth out. What, what I'm trying to say to you, that's all you have is hope. Right, right. And as far as your neck, I would look up something called after a neurologist or a neurosurgeon clears you. And I get two opinions, seriously, mm -hmm. especially if it's C2, C3. Is I look up Yamuna body rolling, but I wouldn't just have anybody fooling around with your neck. Okay. Um, if it's not severe they treat it conservatively okay meaning they don't do surgery as far as the burning mouth i would go to an acupuncturist chinese herbalist okay and have them treat your spleen and liver meridian and heart meridian spleen liver and heart yes on the other okay. hand i would go and learn a class that i've taught and taken it's called DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. It's good for a person who's had history, history of trauma and tragedy. But okay. it teaches you how to use that brain that you have for your porousness or sensitivity in certain social situations. So okay. you can learn how more skillfully. But an anxious brain, a twitchy brain, a sensitive brain is an intuitive brain. Right. People who are raised in those kind of abusive environments become very intuitive because basically you'll have to learn how to duck or when to duck, mm -hmm. right? right? Right. So that might be, in addition to DBT, you might learn what skills you got as a result of coming out of that environment. Okay. What do you do or have you done for a living? I'm a housewife. No, you're not married to a house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm a domestic goddess. <laughs> no, okay, well, okay, I've heard that phrase. I want you to look at some skills that you have, especially intuitively, and start to get training. Okay. I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with taking care of a house. In fact, since the pandemic, it's helped me stay in shape. I actually started doing my house. You should see my floors are very shiny. <laughs> um, I get a really good feeling at a polish in the floor. However, that said, you want to use, because there's a reason why you got that early clinical training. You know what I'm saying, right? Right. Okay. You understand that usually when I only have one person call, it usually means I advertise the wrong number. Oh, so you actually got the benefit of getting a full one-hour reading, free. Oh, that's one. <laughs> I appreciate it. You've been so helpful, and I, I'm actually hopeful now that after 11 years, I could get rid of this neck pain, and after five years, the burning mouth. I want um, you to know that I lived with that C5, C6, for I don't know, no, C6, C, no, C5, C6, C6, C7, for I don't know how many years, from 1991 to 1998 and I never had to have surgery 
until I was on call for psychiatry as a resident, and I sneezed, sneezed, and blew two more discs. Oh, no. And that was it. God spoke. No neurology for me. I wanted to go into neurology again. So I, my point is, is I lived for a long time without fusing them. Yeah. And basically, it had to do with um, me trying to be willful and go into an occupation that I wasn't meant to go into. In fact, basically, the point of the matter is, if I kept pushing it, I wouldn't have been a medical intuitive at all. I would have gone into neurology. I wouldn't be speaking oh, wow. with you. If I had blown oh. discs in my neck, we wouldn't be talking at all. Wow. So you have no idea. There's something you need to do. Fifth Center also has to do with having a calling, a voice in the world. And you think it's being married to a house? No, I I just didn't know how to answer. You kind of. I know, but you understand what I'm saying. There's something you need to do that's out in the world. And I'm not saying like working, you know, a Starbucks or something, be a barista. Right. I'm talking about something else that you learned as a result of going through that avocation of calling. Okay. Does that okay. make sense? It does make sense. And can I just ask you then, so you oh, did wait, end wait, up wait, having... Wait, no, no, no. We're done. we got to go because that's uh, okay. the music. Okay. That's okay. my music. I want to thank okay. you for welcoming you into your day. You've been listening to Healthy Living Intuitively. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.